2: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard. Joining me is Billboard.com senior editor Katie Atkinson. Hello, Katie. What's up, Keith? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fine, thank you.
1: Good. How was your weekend? It was great. It was great. I was on call for work. You know, this is how work goes sometimes. But, uh, you know, it was pretty quiet in general. In general. Yeah. There
2: there wasn't any, like, pop emergencies over the weekend? No pop
1: emergencies. Thank God.
2: Um, I just got back from uh, London, actually, yeah. on Sunday. Um, I didn't see any concerts, but I did see a musical. Ooh, what'd you see? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, cool. I, I, West End? Yes. I have never seen a show in the West End. Oh, very cool. So uh, I thought that was pretty cool, and um, I didn't really know much about it, except I read... Basically, I was just trying to find a show to go to. Yeah. I'm like, I could go see something very classic, like, I think, like, you know, I think Les Mis is still playing, and or I could be, like, Lion King, change. or I could be, like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, and I know it seems like sort of a, a odd choice, but I'd read, like, it's, like, the set is really cool, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I thought it'd be kind of, like, and it was cool. I thought it was fun and cool, and uh, it was a nice experience. And Very cool. I would, I'll, I'll go again to it's another world show. of
1: pure imagination. Yeah.
2: <laughs> You may find. Um, Well, uh, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the week's big pop news, fun chart stats and stories, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. On this week's show, we'll be discussing how Panic! at the Disco gets their first number one album on the Billboard 200 chart with Death of a Bachelor, how Justin Bieber controls the top two on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart, becoming only one of a few acts to have achieved the feat. We will be celebrating 100 days of Adele's hello and uh, discuss Katie's trip to Las Vegas, where she saw the opening night of uh, J-Lo's concert residency. It's called All I Have. And we have a guest interview with pop singer JoJo. JoJo came in in the office, uh, uh, well, r- relatively recently. Yeah,
1: last week, just last week.
2: Talked about, uh, well... We'll tell you what she talks about in just a little bit. You'll find out soon. You'll find out soon. <laughs> she's always so lovely. Yes, yes, she is. She's so sweet. I've, I've, um, I think I've talked to her. Um, uh, full disclosure: Katie did the interview on this one on her own. Um, uh, but I have talked to JoJo previously, and she's been nothing but so super nice. Yeah. Um, And she's like still super young I know She's been around forever And she is 25 years old I know I'm like wow You've lived a a, a lifetime (laughs) Two lifetimes (laughs) Um, Well first Before we get all to that stuff uh, Some housekeeping notes If you enjoy the podcast Please subscribe to the show on iTunes So you won't miss a single episode And give us a rating or review While you're at it If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or at KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. First up on the agenda, Panic! at the Disco. Who would have thought that it would have taken this long, like basically a little over 10 years, for Panic! at the Disco to get their first number one album? And this is a grammar question, but is it fair to call a band a their or a they I always do. Yep. I refer to them as a group. Unless, yeah, it's because it's it gets really confusing otherwise. It's also confusing because I think this uh, Panic! The Disco is, is there's only one person that's still in the group that was originally in the group. He's still making music with a band. There's still, there's still other people. Yeah. And there's still a touring entity. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Panic! The Disco gets their first number one album. Death of a Bachelor debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums Chart starts with 190,000 equivalent album units earned in the week ending January 22nd, according to Nielsen Music. Of that sum, 169,000 were in traditional pure album sales, which is Panic! at the Disco's best sales week ever, which is also sort of incredible because... Given
1: their popularity 10 years ago yeah. when people were selling more albums. Yeah, like
2: back when I write Sins Not Tragedies, like when they were like blowing up big on MTV a decade ago, you would have thought that... They would have had their best sales week then, but no, they're, they're kind of doing what their label mates, Fallout Boy, have mm-hmm. kind of done where they've, they have had this like renaissance. Yep, exactly. You know, and it's, I don't know what it is.
1: I feel like you could kind of pin it to a band like Five Seconds of Summer being popular again, which kind of brought back that whole pop punk. True. Idea and like to radio and everything. And I don't know, it gave these other bands that kind of birthed that a new life. Yeah also if you like panic you should totally go to billboard.com because uh, our colleague Chris Payne did an oral history of a fever you can't sweat out Ooh. when it turned 10 years last year
2: wow that was the first album yeah
1: yeah and so he had interviews with I think three of the four members of the band uh, notably Brendan Yuri um, like they did talk to Brendan Yuri definitely <laughs> talked to him who's uh, still the front man of the group and it's it's fascinating he also talked to Pete Wentz, who was their label manager right. at that point I don't know if he still is but yeah
2: wow yeah um well panic's previous sales high as we we're just talking about sales a moment ago came when pretty odd which was the follow-up to um, their breakthrough debut album started with 139 thousand back in 2008 uh, death of a bachelor is panic of the disco's fifth charting album and follows too weird to live too rare to die exclamation point which was number two back love in, punctuation that they, band they do <laughs> panic exclamation point at the disco pretty dot odd dot. Yes, yes. Vices, <laughs> Vice's Ampersand Virtues, which was number seven in 2011. Oh, pretty kind of a
1: copy editor's nightmare,
2: actually. <laughs> pretty <laughs> dot odd dot, um, uh, which was, of course, uh, back in 2008. And A Fever You Can't Sweat Out, which was uh, number 13. Weirdly, A Fever You Can't Sweat Out was like a really successful album that spent more than like 75 weeks on the chart. Um, and was around forever, but it never reached the top 10. But it was on the chart for like a bajillion years. Right. And it really set them up for a career later. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's that's the big exciting news on the Billboard 200. Otherwise, it's relatively sleepy after last week's big David Bowie fiesta. Yeah. Where uh, David Bowie got his first number one album ever with Black um, And it was uh, posthumous number one because obviously he passed away uh two days after the album came out right um so this week is is a fairly sleepy week in comparison the only other debut in the top 10 is the new kids bop album gotta love those kids bop kids (laughs) uh they debut in the top 10 with their latest release over on the billboard hot 100 justin bieber has both number one and two man uh, with sorry and love yourself uh which is nuts uh, thats uh, He's only one of a handful of acts that have actually been able to have both the numbers one and two songs at the same time. Um, I'm not going to play Quiz Katie because she has a list in front of her. Um, <laughs> that's otherwise, the best time to play Quiz Katie. Yeah. Here's the list. Let me pass it to you. <laughs> um, Justin Bieber joins a relatively short list of folks who have also had the, the numbers one and two songs at the same time. Uh, previously, here they are. I will tell you who they are. The Weeknd, Iggy Azalea, Pharrell, The Black Eyed Peas, T.I., Akon, Mariah Carey, 50 Cent, Usher, Outkast, Nelly, Ashanti, Ja Rule, Diddy, or Puff Daddy, the Bee Gees, and the Beatles. Wow. Yeah, there's a big big jump there. Yes, there is. Um, You know, both of these songs, Sorry and Love Yourself, are both doing really well on the radio, which is odd because usually only one song is embraced by radio. I
1: think it's probably a matter of like, sorry's the fast one and love yourself's the slow one. And so yeah. you can really squeeze those in, if not once an hour, like maybe even one or both of them in a single hour on radio. You know what I mean? Just yeah. because they are so different.
2: They're not, they're, they're, they're not, clearly people are not getting burned out on Justin Bieber.
1: It's crazy. So he got his first number one ever on the Billboard Hot 100 back in the fall. And then he got his second number one with "Sorry." Not long after that, and it's very likely that "Love Yourself" could have its moment at number
2: one too. Yeah, actually, uh, "Sorry" is declines in total Hot 100 chart points this week. Um, it's still ahead by like a couple thousand over "Love Yourself," but "Love Yourself" moves up three to two on the Hot 100. It has a tr- uh, sorry a two percent gain in in uh, points, but it's gaining while yeah. "Sorry" is declining and. The, the closest song to, you know, possibly being number one after that is 21 Pilots um, because they have a big gain. But even though they hold at number four this week with Stressed Out, they're actually up 13%. Um, but, you know, there's still kind of a decent enough amount of, space behind Bieber that you, you think he might be able to replace himself
1: yeah and then all of a sudden he has three number ones just like that Boom. like less than it's like a half year yeah. three number ones after I'd never having one
2: he's having a good year yes Um. elsewhere on the Hot 100 the Chainsmokers uh, Roses hits the top ten uh, it's the dance DJ duo's first top ten hit ever it uh, the song blooms hey you like that <laughs> Roses blooms eleven to eight <laughs> On the Hot 100. And of course, it's the, it's actually credited to the Chainsmokers featuring Roses. Mm-hmm. R-O-Z. With yes. a Z, yes. 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 I believe Roses would be the uh, the female vocalist mm-hmm. that we hear on the song. Yeah. I, I think this is like a really cool song. Yeah. Like, you've heard the song. Yes. what? I, and I think you feel the same way.
1: Yeah. I actually, I think the most interesting, it's one of those songs that you hear and you're like, who is that? Yeah. you know and then you hear it again you're like oh that song again and it just builds like that which makes total sense why it's now in the top 10 because yeah. it's that kind of song
2: um i just think it has a really cool production to it and it's it's it it's just interesting it keeps, i feel like it, the
1: hook of the song is instrumental yeah like that's the I, part that's in, i mean and i guess that makes sense because the chain smokers are a production duo you right. know so
2: it, it is funny how um you sometimes your brain works in a way to to catch on to certain parts of a song differently and I think that's that's what works for a song like this where it kind of addresses a part of your pop music loving brain that maybe you don't normally get to engage with and that's why certain songs work and you know some of the best songs are those that can engage on multiple levels where it's a great lyric with an interesting instrumental hook with a cool quirky production Mm -hmm. like you know a what do you mean Mm -hmm. or like um you know, anything that Diplo kind of does where he's just like, you know, this full assault yeah. of like cool lyrics, great vocalist, weird glitchy sounds yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, a perfect little pop package. Totally. Um also on the Hot One Hundred this week, Adele, of course, is still on the chart with Hello, drops two to three, while her new single, When We Were Young, bounces back into the top forty. It's the second single from her album, Twenty Five, following Hello. When We Were Young actually rises 41 to 35. Originally spent one week in the top 40. Uh, the week it debuted at number 22 back in early December. Speaking of Adele, because we like to speak of Adele.
1: is Honestly, we haven't spoken about her in a while. I'm happy to be talking about Adele again. True, yeah, Last I mean, couple
2: weeks, I feel like we took a quick Adele pause. We, 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 <laughs> we, 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 we had a slight Adele vacation. Um, it has actually been 100 days since the commercial that teased Hello... Premiered during the X Factor back in the uh, back in the UK on October eighteenth, two thousand fifteen. Yeah, uh, one hundred days through Tuesday, January twenty sixth. I've actually been counting this down um, because so it's... even fewer than a
1: hundred days of the album and the actual full song being out. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, I bring this up only to note how everything that has happened with Adele's album Twenty Five has happened in the last one hundred days. Just one hundred days. That's nuts um we knew nothing about the album or its songs at all until 100 days ago which is crazy the cultural impact it has made in 100 days yeah yeah um what a difference 100 days make is, indeed is my note in front which of me which should be
1: an adele song probably yeah exactly
2: <laughs> uh, adele if you're listening i would like 0.25 what a difference parenthetical title 100 days makes there you go <laughs> Um, of course, the single Hello uh, became a pop culture phenomenon and spent 10 weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Its video has accumulated more than a billion views on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, uh, you did see the carpool karaoke. Of course I did. With James Corden. Of course I did. I think by this point, by the time you hear this, it might be James Corden's most popular YouTube video ever now. Yeah. Um, after just a little over a week. I- and Adele's and Hello was the fastest to a billion, too, by the way, on YouTube. She and I think she still seems like she's still super grounded. Yeah, I, especially I, in that carpool karaoke. Yes. she's hilarious. I, I just. I so want to just like hang out with Adele. It's amazing. She's,
1: I really liked when James Gordon called her out for like not understanding that she's Adele and she's like, "I oh, yeah, instead I'm like, it's me, Adele. It's me, Adele.
2: <laughs> it's like someday you're going to realize that you're Adele. Yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully she never realizes that. I know. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, well, of course, you know, in, in other accolades for Adele, you know, in the past hundred days, the album 25 broke the single week sales record in the United States with 3.38 million sold hmm. in its first week and it became the first album to sell a million copies in more than just one week. It actually did it in three so far because you <laughs> never know you what never could know. happen. Um, 25 also finished 2015 as the year's biggest selling album after only a handful of weeks on sale and it is now approaching eight million in total U.S. sales and she's just Getting started. Her tour in support of Twenty Five begins in a month on February 29th in Belfast. The tour arrives in North America on July 5th in St. Paul, and the entire tour is sold out. So good luck on finding tickets. And
1: as we learned from Carpool Karaoke, you just need to stumble into an Adele at a bar when she's had Drunk. a couple of glasses of wine, and then you might be able to get tickets that way. I actually,
2: <laughs> I, I was, uh, I found, I found an Adele uh, fan Tumblr, and they posted. I guess some news organization found the family.
1: Oh really? Yeah, and they
2: had a picture with Adele. Oh my my like God. At the, at the, at the restaurant. Oh, that's so good. And it was like Adele just sitting in their booth, like, hey. <laughs> that's so like, good. Find Adele after two glasses of wine. <laughs> um, speaking of hot-selling concerts, Katie... You saw J Lo last week at the opening night of her Ugh. all I Have concert residency in Vegas. I want to hear everything. I wasn't there, and I'm very jealous. It
1: was it was truly incredible. It was such a good show. Um, you know the it's at the Axis Theater in
2: Planet Hollywood, which I've been to because I've seen the Britney Spears show. At yeah, the same
1: place. and so you know, it. I mean, it feels pretty small. It is a pretty small, venue. yeah. Like and and so it's it's a really cool way to see somebody as big as J Lo because she can do an arena tour, you know, yeah. and, and and totally fill that up with her production value. It was like front to end, just spectacular. Wow. She's just such a performer and it comes through like so well and, and it's so her. Like every section was kind of um, grouped off into like themes. So she started out, and she's in like a full spangled unitard, and she's uh, and she came out with her very first hit, "If You Had My Love," mm. which was a really great way to start. That's when she, her pop career started. Number
2: one on the Billboard Hot 100. Number chart. one,
1: first number one on the Billboard Hot 100, and then she went through like um, a Latin period where it was like every song was in Spanish. She went through a mom period where she was singing a song that she did for mom the animated. Period. She did she for the animated movie Home, which she said that she the only reason she did that. Song because she knew her kids would love the movie and you and want to see the movie. And she's saying Leanne Womax, I hope you dance for her kids. She was wearing this like spectacular twelve feet tall uh green screen dress that they were projecting
2: images of like the galaxy onto during that whole period. Oh, it reminds me it, it, when I saw the picture of that. Yeah. And it's basically she's at the it's like this dress that is like a structure pyramid It looks like kind she's coming
1: out of a volcano yeah. or
2: something it's like a mountain of dress. It, if you if you saw the American Music Awards Year before last, Carrie Underwood had sort of the same kind of yes. dress, where this huge white dress that things, like images, projected were projected on. onto. That's right. Um, but of course, you know, JLo's, I think, was probably a little bit larger. She's like, make mine taller. Make mine taller. <laughs> make mine a little more spectacular. We, we've had
1: time to perfect this. <laughs> she did a period of like Jenny from the Block where she, you know, was in like a pink sequin Yankees hat, you know.
2: Very Brooklyn, New York. Singing I'm Real. Bronx.
1: Ja Rule came out. Ja Rule came out twice. He came out for I'm Real and Ain't It Funny. Yeah, there were a bunch of guest stars on uh, the show. Neo came out, and he actually sang, you know, the song that is sampled in the song All I Have, which her residency is named after, called Very Special. Oh, yeah, Very Special. So she, they sang that song together, and then they transitioned into All I Have, and he kind of sang LL Cool J's rap parts. Oh. So he like kind of turned them into melodic um, lines. What? Very cool. Wow and then final guest which i was almost i was i was sure he wasn't coming at first cuz she did um the second to last song she did was uh dance love dance that i wanna dance and love no. and dance, dance again yeah. so she did that and they kind of had um they had pitbull's voice projected on like the audio oh, and like, i was oh, well. like Oh, Pitbull's not coming Like, I was so bummed about it I was like, he, in my mind, was the certain guest Like, he's coming for opening night And then she closed it out with On the Floor And all of a sudden, Pitbull, no joke Shoots up from underneath the stage Pops up and he's there for like under a minute Just doing his Pitbull thing Dancing around, fist bumping and, And then he's gone And then he sinks back into the stage And Jenny's by herself to finish the whole thing Wow It was awesome
2: Oh, wait, so, will the show be able to do well without all these special guests? Kind I of think so.
1: Yeah, I mean, up? like that, you expected it for the opening night for sure that she was going to have those special guests, and I'm sure she'll have people pop in like yeah. that. I mean, she's had so many features on her songs that I feel like throughout, she only has 20 dates in the calendar so far, and she's committed to 40, but I'm sure throughout the 20s, she's got to have some other people lined up coming oh. in too. But without it, I mean, it's. Just an insane show She has like a whole Burlesque scene In the middle Very
2: racy Very Vegas Very showgirl I saw I saw a picture Of her Where she was Sitting She Was, sort of was she per- on a chaise lounge She was perched on something And she was wearing mm-hmm. Just like basically nothing but heels and a very small outfit with lots of legs up in the air and like lips or something. Yeah, the
1: legs that were on the wall were actually her dancer's legs. They oh. were moving
2: human people
1: legs. Like you <laughs> at first it just looked like neon. It looked like, you know, the something Christmas other... story lamp or something.
2: Yeah, well, cuz it, it looked it looked very like sort of like um like like uh flash dance 80s yes. neon. Which was like I'm I'm sure she was probably evoking that kind of like stylized video imagery. Totally.
1: And that was very that was very, like, very sexy. Then she had lady dancers come out with her and she had one lady dancer on the chaise lounge, the Jennifer Lopez on top of her, then another lady dancer stacked oh. on top of her on the chaise. Like it was very, very, very risque. It was but it was awesome. Well, it's Vegas. Of course. And yeah. it's Vegas. Yeah, it's Vegas.
2: Um, would, would uh, blah, 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 blah. yes
1: I would recommend you should go
2: yeah <laughs> um, for, for the Britney show they actually had um, exhibits of her costumes and stuff In yes they in, had
1: that for J-Lo did, too yeah same thing. out in the lobby they had um, at least three that I saw of course the famous Grammy dress the Ooh. you know neck to navel uh, the scarf. V yes the scarf Scarf dress. And they had um I think it was an American Music Awards gown as well. And, and there were three I think there were three things that I saw, all fabulous, hmm. all iconic, all yeah. J-Lo. Hmm. Wow. Yes. I'll have to see it. I at can't some point. say enough about it. But yeah. if you'd like more, Billboard.com, my full review is on the website. Um
2: do you have a good time in Vegas aside from that? Oh
1: yeah, i actually like Played I you know lots, I went a bunch right of right I, I flew in that night, went to the show. Wrote my article directly after it, went to sleep, and then had a full day in Vegas the next day where we were able to just, like, hang out and do the whole Vegas thing for the so full have, Thursday. Oh, well, yeah. oh, wow. See, yeah.
2: I, I, I guess I should have done, when I saw Brittany, I should have done it that way. Yes. Because I rolled in, checked in, saw the show, ran back to the room, wrote the review, had it posted at, like, two in the morning. Same, two. And then collapsed, and I ate like dinner in the room mm-hmm. as I'm like same s- trying to type
1: <laughs> the glamorous life
2: of yeah. billboard reporters <laughs> like the only like the, the glamorous part was obviously getting going to, to Vegas go, and going to the show going to the show <laughs> and having the opportunity to see the show yeah but then, like, I checked out the next morning. Oh, like see, that's what I knew I wanted like a day, you did like the right a way. yeah, yeah, decompression day. Decompression day. Um, did you, did you run into J while you were in Vegas? No, no. I did. I
1: <laughs> there was a little reception ahead of time that I was able to see. If you like, Leah Remini, I saw Hoda oh. Kotb from the Today Show. Um, and then Justin Bieber actually came to the show, and we saw him file into his seat. Wow. Uh, yeah, but he did. He wasn't at the reception earlier, but that he was definitely like the most high profile guest at the show. It's kind of a coup. Yeah.
2: Um, well, uh, in, in, in w- while I was gone, uh, <laughs> you talked to, uh, another pop star, Jojo. I did. J- from JLo to from Jojo. From JLo to Jojo. Hey, look at that transition. <laughs> um, uh, she's, she's lovely. She uh, was awesome. T- and
1: t- t- tell me all about it. I, I will. <laughs> so Jojo fans are really excited because after like a seriously long record label battle, she's finally coming back with a new full length album. And um She promises. It's coming. Yes, it's coming this year, twenty sixteen. And you know, we got her her tringle last year. She invented that word last year (laughs) and an EP last month. But um coming up this year is her first album in a decade. The last one was in two thousand six. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) That's nuts. So um she's twenty five, so she was like a teenager when her last album came out. And, you know, just so pop shop fans know, if you're not super familiar with JoJo, you definitely know at least two of her songs. She had a song called Leave Get Out in 2004. She was 13 when she recorded that song. And it hit number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100. And then the 2006 single Too Little Too Late, which peaked at number three. So that's her biggest hit. And uh, we talked all about her new music, uh, her emotional video for Save My Soul, her awesome Twitter persona. I'm not sure if you follow her on Twitter, but she's delightful on Twitter and is really interactive with her fans. Hmm. And also a possible duet with uh, Tori Kelly. So you can hear about all that and more in our conversation with JoJo. Hi, JoJo, and welcome to Billboard's Pop Shop Podcast. Hey, boo. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in today. We really appreciate it. Happy to be here. And uh, we're so happy to have you back in the world of pop because, you know, you've started with your Tringle back in August and then you have an EP out last month. And, you know, you've spoken a lot about what's kind of kept you out of the game for this long. But can you talk about what it means to be able to get all this new music to your fans finally? it's... I feel
0: like myself again. It's just amazing to be able to to release content and to have it be heard and to you know get my feet back in 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 the water yeah you know, essentially and this is just just the beginning of that totally. so it's been a lot of fun and i've just you know in the studio contri uh, continuing to try to just be as transparent and as much of myself as i can and what kind of feedback have you been getting from your fans so far the feedback has been beautiful. I mean, my fans are always so supportive. So what, what's, what's really exciting, of course, is to finally give them something to talk about and then also to, you know, maybe re, uh, reintroduce myself to people who forgot yeah. and, and introduce myself for the first time to, to new fans. Totally. So, so the response has been really dope. And, uh, I'm just, I'm also excited to really give people a full length project to, to digest. I want it to be the soundtrack to their lives.
1: I'm sure. And I saw, I saw that you said that you kind of have so much music. It's just a matter of kind of narrowing it down now. So much. (laughs) And I, I I love being in the studio. Right. It's
0: what I've been doing for, you know, since I was 12 years old. Yeah. Especially working on this third album, just the different incarnations of it. So it's, it's a comfort zone for me. And, not that I want to take another year to finish it by any means. <laughs> but it's it's just about telling
1: the, the, the stories that I want to tell and from my voice. Totally. And, um, you know, you're saying you're, you're planning to put out a full-length project this year. Um, what can you tell us about that new music, kind of the vibe, the sound? What's it been like in the studio? So the past few
0: years have been me falling in love with pop music and really changing my perspective on what that means. Because when I first came out, when I was 13, I was like... I, I'm not a pop star. I'm not a pop singer. I'm an R&B singer. I don't give a fuck what you call me at this point, you know. Yeah. So, and pop music means so many different things. Yeah. Um, and it encompasses such a wide range of sounds and just of of artists. Yeah. So I really embrace that. And with this album, I've got to explore different things that I that inspire me from hip hop to alternative, um, you know, to R and B, and but then it's really. I think that the, the songs are catchy, they're infectious, and that's what is universal, I think, with pop music.
1: Totally. And I feel like this time, more than any other time in history, pop music is so diverse. Yeah. I mean, you can hear everything on, on the pop channel. Totally. The, the
0: Weeknd, Bruno Mars, myself, Megan Trainer, like it runs such, you know, all those people in the same conversation are quite different. Totally.
1: And, um, you know, some of the new music we've gotten to hear from The Tringle uh, when love hurts it's one of the danciest songs that you've ever made <laughs> what kind of inspired that sound dance music particularly house music is something that really
0: was like giving me life in the past couple years in the spirit of like going out with my girlfriends getting ready it made me feel victorious it made me feel fabulous and sexy and it's what I it, it was what was moving me so I wanted to I wanted to incorporate some of that into my new stuff. So when this song came about um, uh, from Benny Blanco, mm-hmm. I heard it and I wanted to put my voice on it and kind of pay homage to the stuff i had been listening to.
1: Awesome. And on the flip side of that coin, you have the very emotional Save My Soul, which is just, you know, a heart-wrenching song. And you just released the video for that, directed by your friend Zelda Williams. Mm-hmm. And the song and the video just come from such an emotional place. And you dedicated the video to your late father. You know, why was that message so important for you to get out there? Well, I
0: hadn't I haven't really spoken much about my personal life or yeah. the, the things, you know, a lot of people, or if you followed me at all, you might know about the professional turmoil that I was going through trying to get off my old label yeah. and things like that. But I grew up in a home where I saw addiction very closely mm-hmm. to me and very close to me. And uh, and I know that I'm not alone in that. I know that a lot of kids, you know, I, I've had many conversations with kids who have grown up in a similar environment. So I kind of wanted to talk about the powerlessness that I felt in seeing my parents dealing with things and also in my own struggles and feeling feeling weak in a situation to a lover, to a drug, and kind of just touch on those those things. So I'm, I'm not afraid of my truth, and I've already talked to my family about what I was going to say mm-hmm. and and speak about because it is my reality so mm-hmm. I, I was thankful that they were in support of me being transparent
1: yeah and it, it kind of follows along in your persona lately in general just as being open and I mean even if you follow Jojo on Twitter you know that you are <laughs> very like you're very active on there You're you're tweeting like once a day at least and you're you're really like letting your fans feel like what it would be like to be your friend or something you know it's fun it's um, oh, good. I'm glad it because that's that's what I love about social media. I just totally it's like a
0: stream of consciousness for me,
1: <laughs> for sure. And so <clears throat> is that like is that a conscious thing for you or do you just like is that just a platform you really enjoy and, and you like to get on there? And it's just a platform I really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I'm not like, oh, I haven't reached
0: my tweet quota for right. the day. Be- better get better get more active. Right. It's just like it's just kind of like, you know, come just coming from my brain and out my mouth. And there's no. F- <laughs> Real deep thought about it.
1: I really liked your tweet recently. Staying in is the new going out. You know,
0: it's really how I felt because I was like, "What am I going to do for New Year's Eve? Ooh, I'm going to
1: stay in.
0: It's about to be
1: bomb." Seeing that's the rebellious thing to do, right? <laughs> right. Now that's the rebellious thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like Alessia Cara and the song here has yes. made like staying in cool again. That's right. Are there other people that you love to follow on Twitter? Any like favorite other musicians or celebrities that you like to follow? You know, I really think Alessia is dope, and I love yeah. her perspective. And her tweets are really cute. Um, Um,
0: Who else do I like to follow? Um, uh, Thundercat has the weirdest tweets. (laughs) Uh, Very disturbing and awesome. And my girl Zelda is really Mm -hmm. funny on Twitter. Um, And uh, there's... There's this porn star Asa Akira who wrote a book <laughs> called Insatiable In her tweet she writes haikus. Oh wow. <laughs> like really dirty haikus and she, she has like over half a million followers because she's so witty. That's like the perfect place for
1: a haiku actually. 140 words. I exactly. didn't even think of that. Yeah. It's I'm, so I'm starting writing limericks. Yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of Twitter you, uh, you tweeted back to a fan the other day who requested a duet between you and Tori Kelly and Tori responded as well and you both sounded pretty on board. Have you actually gotten to talk to, with her about that yeah, we spoke about it the other day. We we've, we've been
0: friends for a long time. So, and and um you know, she would come to my shows when I was in town, and, and vice versa, I'd always go to her shows. We've always been supportive. And so I would, you know, love to do that. So we're going to try to make it happen.
1: I feel like that's a perfect match. You guys both have, you know, kind of the confessional songwriting style, the big voices. Like, I could totally hear that right I, now. It would
0: be really fun. It
1: would be very cool. Are there some people that you would love to duet with that you haven't gotten a chance to work with yet? Or I really, producers? Or I really want to work with Kendrick
0: Lamar. Oh, yes. and And this was pre his you know how many dozen n- nominations oh my god for, yeah for Grammys. to Pimp a Butterfly is just the most impactful album on me in the past you know five years next to um, D'Angelo's Black Messiah oh yeah so I just love it I just think it's so bold and I love his use of jazz in it and um I would love to work with him and also Ed Sheeran I just love his songwriting and his guitar playing and he's just he's such a little pumpkin I love him
1: <laughs> His song that he wrote for uh, Justin Bieber, "Love Yourself," is God. That is just like I feel like it made everyone look at Justin in a new light. But you can also hear Ed Sheeran in it. Like that's such a great song.
0: Yeah, and that's really awesome as a songwriter and an artist himself to write a song for someone else, but still it has that identity.
1: In yeah, it, you know, totally. Yeah, he's great at that for sure. And, you know, because we're so early on in 2016 yet and it's shaping up to be a pretty big year for you with the album, what are your resolutions and your goals this year? I don't like to
0: really think of them as resolutions, but just like in- intention. And my intention is just to be my best self this year. And uh, I want to take take it more in quarters, like this first quarter. Okay, I'm going to focus on this and just really try to live in the moment and give of myself and, and you know, just just try to be the best version of
1: JoJo, Joanna Levesque that I've been. so. And do you have any message for the fans who've been waiting for this music and are really excited about it coming? I just appreciate
0: so much that you are giving me a platform to be able to do what I love. And I don't take a second of it for granted. I'm just a kid in a candy store. And I just I'm so looking forward to you to, for you to hear this music. Um, and just, you know, stay tuned and come on this journey with me it's going to be interesting
1: (laughs) (laughs) well jojo thank you so much for stopping by today and we can't wait for the new album so hopefully we can talk to you after the new music's out too of course katie thank you awesome thanks jojo
2: Thanks again to JoJo for dropping by the office and uh, chatting with us. Yes, thanks, boo. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, boo. Um, Well, you know what time it is now, What time is it, Keith? It's time for the Chart Stat of the Week. Oh, yeah. 20 years ago this week, the rock band Bush debuted on the Billboard Hot 100 with what would become its highest charting single, Glycerine. The ballad entered the chart, dated January 27th, 1996, at number 39, on its way to a number 28 peak a month later. It would would spend 20 weeks on the chart and also become the band's only single to chart on the Pop Songs chart, which is our mainstream Top 40 Airplay chart. So if you were listening to Top 40 radio back in the day, that's probably where you heard Bush was with Glycerine on your local Top 40 radio. Of course, they were also a huge alternative rock band. Oh, yeah. Um... You know, they they came at a time when all things kind of grunge were big, even though they weren't from anywhere in America because they're a British band. Um, But they definitely had that sort of grungy, crunchy sound uh, with their first album, Sixteen Stone, which Glycerine is from. Glycerine spent two weeks at number one on the Alternative Songs chart, one of five number one singles on that chart for the band. And uh, among their other hits from Sixteen Stone, Everything's In, Little Things, Come Down, Machine Head. Like, I really like this I album. I could sing all of these songs. <laughs> <laughs> do 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 um, Fun fact, uh, Glycerine and the rest of the 16 Stone album were produced by Clive Langer and Alan Stanley. I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. But uh, I actually discovered, I sort of stumbled upon this a couple weeks ago. And if you follow me on Twitter and you really pay close attention, you might be familiar with this fun fact already. So... The same people that produced 16 Stone and its singles also produced David Bowie and Mick Jagger's Dancing in the Street. Uh, David Bowie's Absolute Beginners as well. Uh, Dexie's Midnight Runners, Come on Eileen. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Madness Madness's our house in the middle of our street. Uh, Elvis Costello's Every Day I Write the Book. Every day, every day, every day. <laughs> and uh, they might be giants. Uh, Istanbul, not Constantinople. And they also did a whole bunch of other stuff, too. That is
1: such a wide range of songs. I know. That's, that's truly incredible. Who would have ever
2: thought, like, the same folks who did, like... You know, Dexy's Midnight Runners, Come on Eileen, also did Bush's first... They, I think they did actually, like, two Bush albums. They, I think they did the follow-up as well. And remember how big of a
1: deal, like, Cred was back in the grunge days? Like, if they knew that, like, Come on Eileen, the same producers did that and did Bush, it would be like, uh-oh, that's <laughs> that's weird.
2: But now it's like, it just, Bush feels he, like pop music too now, you know what you, I mean? You know, I think, I, I'm, I have no idea. I think, you know, maybe some of it also could have been just like bush going like oh we get to work with these people that have done like elvis costello and madness they david might be giants, bowie. like david bowie It's yeah. like these cool like really cool british acts exactly and they're coming from a different like you know a different uh frame of reference right um and you know i'm sure the same thing could have been said you know for any number of i just think it's 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 just funny when you compare like come on eileen yeah or like Bo- Bowie and Jagger on Dancing in the Street It's too. all great
1: music it's So all great music. they make great
2: music Obviously All, all well produced music mm-hmm. um, So there you go There's your chart stat Of the week 20 years ago this week uh, Bush debuted On the Hot 100 uh, With Glycerine And uh, there you go There you go <laughs> I really like that album.
1: Oh my! So I was in eighth grade when that album came out, and all my middle school friends were obsessed with Gavin
2: Rossdale. He's very pretty. Obsessed. Yeah, he still, pretty. he still is pretty. He still is pretty. He still is pretty. Um, but but boy, I played that album just so much. Yeah. I mean, also, I was like at the, at the time, I was a big like alternative rock. Oh I, yeah. I, like I listened to K Rock in Los Angeles mm-hmm. a whole lot in um college. And I just merged like every day, like and it wasn't even just so single like you would hear those singles plus a bunch of album cuts. Like K Rock would play the thing oh, yeah. to death. Yeah. Um anyway, now I'm rambling. Great album. Bush. Great album. Um I think I think that's about it, Katie. All right. Uh, Any any parting words? Any final notes?
1: No, I just I'm so happy I could talk about J Lo all day. So I'm (laughs) glad we really got to like break
2: down the J Lo show. I am too. I (laughs) want to hear more details and stuff. As soon as I as soon as I saw your review, I was like, oh my god, I have to go. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) Um, So what song should we go out on?
1: Well, I mean J Lo. Let's go feeling so good because that's my feel good song. All right. Uh, Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bye.